All of our people have the same goal, the same objective, freedom, justice, equality. We're fighting for the right to live as free humans in this society. We must have human rights before we can secure civil rights. We must be respected as humans before we can be recognized as citizens. different poses now i'm looking in my rear view i see the world in it i try to slow down and i get real ended pause like a red light i'm dead right highway to heaven god do you see my headlights they say you don't know what you doing till you stop doing it well call me clueless cause i do this attention all shooters i'm a shooting star life is a course and i'm a shooting car searching for today instead i found tomorrow and i put that shit right back man i'll see what i find tomorrow young money cmr blood like a scar Weezy f baby and the f ain't for flaw uh. exactly and that's the thing that concerns me is like i don't see people like, documenting the moment like I love going back and looking at the 70s black power movement because that shit is like cold, like cold, like in a way. And it's just like, all right, like this is real and this is what happened. And you can literally go through every, like any question you might have about like the black power movement, like it's there. And like, I feel like we don't, our generation doesn't do that. Like we get the, you know, the viral clips and stuff, but like people aren't writing and using art as a tool to like express themselves. I'm always thinking about the future and how, like, kids and stuff are going to, like, read this and interpret it. So, like, you know, I'm trying to, like, have my great-grandkid be like, damn, nigga, like, I, I fucking read this shit and I got it. Like, I don't really need you to explain it to me. Like, y'all did a very good job, mm-hmm. but I don't know. We'll see. So how do you feel about <clears throat> when they say, um, or that whole element of the history is written by the victors? And how does that, how do you think that comes in play? Uh, whenever we do reflect back, or even how we're going to be thinking about this moment 10 or 15 years down the line. I feel like uh, even 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 Twitter banning Trump, or permanently banning Trump, right? And, and we got to do the bunny air quotes with that shit, because he's going to get a platform somewhere. But he got off a couple shots. He got off a couple tweets before they, they banned him, right? And one of the things he said was something like, uh, the people that, the people will not be mistreated or some shit like that. If you look at that without the context, right? Without the historical context and shit, you, you're thinking to yourself, yo, this nigga is really, he's really about that life. He's really standing up for the people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Pivotal moments. These <laughs> pivotal moments. You know? <laughs> you know, that's interesting that you say it that way because yeah, if you do take his tweets out of the out of context from what's actually happening, you one could interpret it as if um, big tech is just straight up censoring. Um, free speech rather than centering speech that violates its current policies. Exactly. Like if we recall four or five years ago, Twitter was being used to start the uprising in the Middle East. Niggas was using Twitter, you know, using that shit to like get their 
liberation or freedom. So I, you know, it just depends on who's looking at it. That's why, that's why you have to like tell the story, not just document it. Like you were saying, because, you know, if someone doesn't tell it right, then all you got to do is just go down a rabbit hole. And, like, you know, if you always see Trump shit, you're like, yo, like this dude was trying to save like everyone and the whole world came against him. And then that's how you get like fanatics. You know, we still have the Columbines and the Nazis enthusiasts, like all these people that are like fans because they look at the history of it in a totally different viewpoint than what it act than what actually occurred. Mm-hmm. Niggas want to be martyrs and shit. And it's interesting too because I spent a lot of time thinking about the algorithm and the and the role that big tech plays in um, dictating and creating realities for people and like controlling their emotions. Um, so it's like whenever we look on our feeds, even if it's like an unarmed black person was shot by the police, all of a sudden that's just like all of my feed. Whether I'm liking images or not, it's just because of I guess my social media activity in the past and the content that I was engaging in that's always sort of pushed to the forefront or even like the people that I'm surrounding myself with. A lot of it's just like an echo chamber. So we really do just see sort of just that narrative being pushed. So I'm also curious, like the people who do not agree with us or what we would say is the people who are quote unquote on that other side of the line, even if a line exists or not, um, just sort of what's being fed to them in that way to make people just feel so, so strongly about what's happening in their world. Do you feel me? I feel like, I feel like what's more under the microscope of these days is ethical coding, right? And when, and when they say like ethical coding, it means that the people making these platforms, right? And I feel like, I feel like there's like some like Netflix shit or whatever, right? Recently that, that Such a dilemma. Re- there you go. That reflected on how, you know, these platforms are being formulated in such a way that, you know, they're, they're hacking people's brains pretty much, right? If the people, and, and of course, my, my brother, the finesse kid, Dave, has already said, all skin folk ain't your kin folk, right? And, so, and mm-hmm. so representation behind the coding doesn't necessarily produce better platforms and better systems, but it might help. We need that diversity, right? We need that, we need that diversity because in many ways, it'll help to curb the bullshit we've seen. You know what I mean? But then even, well, actually, before I even continue, you already said the finesse kid and people listening are probably just like, finesse kid, who? What? So this is probably a good time for some introductions. So welcome back, everyone, to our communal podcast, You Free. This is E. Who am I speaking with? <clears throat> well, I guess I'll go first. Um, David Daniels, a.k.a. the finesse kid from Mobile, Alabama, 251, baby, home of Mardi Gras. Went to school in Mississippi. Spent all my summers in Nashville. And then got lucky and met a few people along the way and um, got into Chocolate City in D.C. So I've been here for three years, you know, trying to do something uh, with purpose, make the world better. And it's been some crazy shit, y'all, since I've been up here. So I've seen it all. So, yeah, someone on Twitter said, like, I'm tired of living through historical moments. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel right now, too. Like, damn. <laughs> damn, that's a good intro right there. I can't even guess it. Um, Cleveland, Brooklyn kids. Feel like I've been around the world, lived a couple of lifetimes already. And they, and they but, probably recognize your voice from season one, from from an earlier episode, yeah. <laughs> infantile times. But then we here, bro. I'm just trying to be, just trying to grow and be patient with myself, and uh, try to help teach others to be patient with themselves and 
and others as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's been a tough world. It's been a real tough world. We've been experiencing a lot of tough shit the last couple of years, collectively and individually. So yeah, man, I'm just trying to spread some some love and compassion, bro, and, and some actual respect and actual gratitude and, and know what all that means and be able to communicate all that and have the language for it. I'm really working and striving towards those next steps, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel that. Dave, you were saying something about um, on Twitter, the fact that someone said they're tired of living through history. But it's like, if we're not living through history, what exactly are we living through then? No, exactly. I think what this uh, lady was saying is just like the exhaustion. Like all these events can be exhausting for people. And like like you said, like if we're not living through history, then what are we doing? And I think the difference between like our generations and the ones that passed, ours are like, well, we know it's fucked up. So fucking just change it. Like I'm not trying to be this catalyst for change because people... I think people have lost what it means to make sacrifices and how you might not like this is what a lot of people are probably realizing, which is, you know, kind of ironic because we always people are always like our ancestors, our ancestors. It's like, all right, well, we'll be some people's ancestors one day. So, like, it might be shit that we're not going to see in our lifetime or our kids lifetime, but like the, you know, the pebble turns into, you know, a wave at some point. So I just think that's what. She was probably trying to express, but like I said, you know, I'm from fucking Mobile, Alabama. We had the the last lynching, 1980, Michael Donald, my grandmother taught him. And then we had the last slave ship, the Cotilda. So, like, nigga, I'm from the mm-hmm. – <laughs> this shit ain't nothing. I've been, I've been fighting my whole life. So I don't really get deterred by any of this because I'm like, bro, like, you want to talk about shit and, like, come to my hometown, like. 1980, nigga, the last one. That's different. (laughs) And people, you know, just that type of shit. It's like, I don't know. That's why, like, Cleve always says, like, Dave, you always trying to go for the knockout punch. But, like, from where I am, you can't do jabs. You got to hit them, and that one hit better knock them out. Because, like, you know, you ain't got six, seven rounds. Like, you got one round. Mm -hmm. And you you better, and, like, yeah, you're going to exhaust all your energy in that first round. So you better make sure motherfuckers are like on the ground and, and not getting back up. But that's just, a you know, everybody has different experiences. Y'all niggas are from New York. So the injustices y'all seen are, you know, different than mine, but they're both injustices because we're black. That's what all binds us together. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if that last lynching happened just essentially like 40 years ago. I'm curious to the way that like you grew up learning history, because I feel like up in the city, things were, of course, it's like watered down. Do you feel like there was more of an accurate representation of what was actually happening? Um, Hell yeah. My dad drove me by that shit every day. Every day he drove, he drove me by. He's like, your grandma taught this person, and he went to the school I'm dropping you off at, and these white folks, these Catholics, Catholics just like you and I, lynched him because some dudes killed a white guy, and the Klan was like, well, if he can get away, because the guy didn't, the, the black dude that kills this white dude do you do you know that what was the name of the dude who got lynched so if people want to michael donald mm-hmm. michael donald 1980 mobile alabama went to the most pure heart of mary the only black catholic school in the gulf coast where my grandmother taught and then he went to high school at mcgill where i went and this all ties in to because i used to work for senator jeff sessions so when these people killed michael donald they ended up getting prosecuted and found guilty. And the U.S. Attorney General that did that was Jeff Sessions. 
So I, it's all, you know, there's no black and white. The truth is in the gray. But yeah, like, you know, my dad drove me by that all the time. I was like, you know, these white folks, like, this is what they'll do to you. This is how they think of us. Um, and that's one of the reasons my dad became federal law enforcement agent. Cause that, as you know, no matter who you are, if you kill a federal agent, you're screwed. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure my dad wanted to protect people and make the world a better place. But, you know, from the most part, he was like, you know, you can't the same way these racist white folks are, you can't fuck with me. I got a badge. Same thing my dad was like can't fuck with me i got a badge um so like you know if y'all try and pull some wild shit on me it's not gonna end well for y'all but yeah history was definitely different because i got to drive by and see like i went to school in mississippi state <laughs> like otibaw county starkville like I, in mississippi in the civil rights movement was insane so you know i had that in college so i spent all my summers in nashville my cousin Paul Ed Henderson was writing John Lewis's papers for him and the nigga was going out there protesting in Nashville. You know, my, my great grandfather, he made the Time magazine in 1940 because, you know, they wouldn't let black people vote then. So, yeah, like, it's definitely different for me because, like, I'm so close to it. They're not stories. They're, like, things that happened not so long ago. So I think that's why I have, like, a lot of rage because I'm like, this shit happened literally <laughs> like mm-hmm. on my like on my streets and I pass by it and I see like all these white people I grew up with that don't know about it or like will have some revisionist history of it or you know it's just chaos like going to school in Mississippi and having people not understand the confederate flag argument it's like bro like what <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but you know y'all are in New York so like I don't you know I don't know how to fuck y'all raise or like i'm sure where y'all from is i mean where i'm from is diverse don't get that wrong mobile's 51 percent black but that doesn't mean the power structure that runs it's black i don't know how where y'all are from but i'm sure y'all probably had more people in power that were black so y'all's perception might be different i'm not sure if y'all want to elaborate on new york and growing up and like hearing learning about racism hey, what would you say my elementary junior high school was pretty diverse and i would say that the moments of i guess of history that was truly affecting me in the city was as it pertained to um like stop and frisk or like um police brutality i feel like that was a lot of the the anything that was maliciously happening um had to do something with like the police whether it's like you're looking at a case like sean bell the day before his wedding night or even like in high school like i went to a boarding school. So during the breaks, meanwhile, kids around this area that everyone's in class, I was off of school and I'm just walking to go to the grocery store to get a bagel. And like the cops stopped me checking for my ID and I'm letting them know like, Hey, I don't go to school in the city. And they just weren't buying that story for some reason. You know what I mean? As if I was making it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that a lot of these elements of history, whenever we reflect or think about it directly have to do with the police. Cause it's not like, at least from my knowledge, there was um, recent lynchings that we were learning about in the classrooms, for example, or being able to drive by and sort of get that anecdotal story from a from a parent. That was just not a reality that I was growing up with. So did you have like rage or you just like, I just need to play it cool? Like, Yeah, no, no, it's not even that it was about rage. I think it was just like going through and just living because then if I fast forward to high school, like my freshman year, every single um, person of color, not actually not person of color, every single black person 
got hate mail that on Valentine's Day that said, bang, bang, get out. You know what I'm saying? And God damn. <laughs> what a bullseye. <laughs> and that was at Fuck. 14. So it's like now when I actually really reflect back on it, it's just like it, it just allows me to think and reflect back on like the whole element of like living through history. Because when I like this, that that was just so fundamental, like just a fundamental element that just happened in life. And that just that changed my perspective of of everything. Cause I started just thinking like, damn, like I'm just going to class. Like, yeah, I wake up late sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a little tardy, but like, is this the reason why somebody going to send me some hate mail? And I'm supposed to be all the way up in the North. And if, and if we really think about the way history is told about the union Confederacy, so on and so forth, oh, the North is a little bit safe. The South is a little bit wild. And then for that to happen in one of the utmost North um, States, it just really allowed me to just take a step back and just reflect. And I think that kind of that allowed me to just be way more observant. I don't think that it produced any rage, but it allowed me just to be play a little bit more chess where it's just like I can I can see through a lot of BS. I can see through a lot of um see life how it is. Exactly. Just more strategic about just even even my interactions because um and I think you were saying this in the in the past, Clee, it was just like even though that we know a lot of people and have a lot of friends, like the circle is still small, you know, and that's just by way of just like Thing, like in a way like you were speaking about your pops dave just like self-preservation you feel me yeah i grew up in east new york and people may not know too much about east new york but it borders brownsville and star area city and all that bushwick best side pretty much and then on the other side is like queens right i think for me like the most some of the most fundamentally affecting moments for me was getting into teeth Right, E? And then mm-hmm. going to the high school we went to, receiving shit like that, having to having to juxtapose those two events because teeth was some shit. And so I, and, I, I, and I, many, but I don't know, it's an academic enrichment program. In many ways, in many ways, in many ways, while it attempted to empower young students, young promising students, it did the opposite, right? And we're talking about young students of color. Uh, who need support, a lot of support, and in various ways. And then going to a place like our high school, the boarding school, right, where it's a completely, entirely different environment from um, a place like East New York. And then you receive shit like what you just said. Your freedom of movement is restricted. And then you go to a place... Like where I went to for undergrad, twenty minutes north of Charlotte. Shout out to Steph Curry. <laughs> Shout out to yeah, we we breed shooters, family. I still can't believe Steph went there. That's wild. Hey, bro, I bro, I remember when they had the lockout. That was that was one of the most fire moments when the homie came walking down the hall. I looked at him. I thought he was. T- I thought his head was touching the ceiling. No cap. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, this nigga's really, like, really a Splash Brother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is really the, the greatest, the greatest <laughs> NBA shooter of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> nah, but, yeah, bro, I mean, that's who, and, of course, deservedly, like, worships him. And, and he, like, he deserves all the praise and all the respect. He's, he's really that nigga. But then, yeah, you go to school like that, and then you work for Republicans, and then you work for... Democrats, and you work at all levels of government, and you understand that, you know, like you said, E, and also like you said, Dave, you find this rage within, 
because you understand the world's inequities and disparities. And you also understand the lack of action to respond to them. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you understand that you also got to apply a little bit more, a little bit better chess moves that to outsmart the people trying to work against you, because obviously we see that there are people trying to work against us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to play a little better chess. And you mentioned like working for just various members of the government, whether it's senators or congressmen, so on and so forth. Like, how, like, what, what is that experience like to be able to work with or work for people who you may not fundamentally agree with things on? I've been so grateful. I mean, I've, of course, there have been eye opening experiences, mm-hmm. um, but every, every experience has been a learning one and has helped make, make me the person I am today. You know what I mean? Also, shout out to my real first boss because he—he's really—he was really a homie, and he really—he really took a chance on the kid, and, and really blessed me and taught me the right way to to govern, both on a on a, on a micro and macro level. But yeah, you just you just come to understand. I've just come to understand that, like, like Dave said, this shit is great. Like, <laughs> this mm-hmm. isn't this shit isn't partisan. You know what I mean? Like, power, power, or despotism, rather isn't partisan you know racism isn't partisan <laughs> nigga shit is wild <laughs> mm-hmm. like i've experienced more race not i don't know if racism right where i've experienced more um suppression in the democratic offices i worked in and luther strange and sessions office they kind of just let me do whatever the fuck i wanted because you know they're seen as racist so they can't suppress you know they can't tell me i don't know what i'm talking about or be like, hey, David, like one of the things mm-hmm. and for any Hill staffer ever working when your boss says, well, let's go through the process of it. That's that they're essentially telling you no, because um, all you have to do to sign something is just introduce it. But like, yeah, I felt like I've been more. I mean, the best experience I had was working in the Congressional Black Caucus, although I was unpaid. The irony. Uh, but I worked for the Congressional Black Caucus for then Chairman Cedric Richin. Shout out to New Orleans. Gentilly, Holly Grove, baby. But yeah, so that was fun just because it felt, I could walk in angry every day and everyone was like, well, yeah, motherfucker, we're angry too. Like, go, go sit down and fucking <laughs> answer dope. this email. Like, I'm like, oh, like, bet. Like, I don't have to, like, explain anything or, like, they're like, all right. They're like, you know, they used to call me, like, Fred Hampton or like Fred Hampton, like go sit down, David. Like, like, so let me write uh, this email in all caps. <laughs> they're like, they're like David, like we get it. Um, and you know they they have white staffers, of course, because you know black people, you know we're not discriminatory. We have you know diverse offices. We're not scared to let other people be part of the conversation. And you know it it was a very relieving moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even working for like nigga shit, working for Kennedy opened up. Open up my third eye. Um, sense. Well, you know, remember when I sent you that article that uh, Stokely Carmichael, he, he went under his name Kwame when he wrote it, but it's like the pitfalls of liberalism. Because, you know, I went on this whole journey leaving the Republican Party thinking, you know, I was just working for the wrong side. And like once I got to Democrats, like these were the good people. And like, I, you know, this was all going to work out. And then it's like working for the caucus. Then you see like, all right, well, these older black people think they've done the changes and they think being a member of Congress or a chairman, like they've done their part or like this is good. And, you know, they just get these bread crumbs thrown at them, but they don't really have power per se because they're not using their numbers the way it's supposed to be used. And then you get with someone like a young Kennedy 
they're like, all right, this, you know, the great white hope, like this dude's gonna, you know, you know, restore Camelot and usher in, you know, some wave of progressivism because he's young and white mm-hmm. and, you know, he can do shit that other people can't. And then you're he like, yeah, influence. Like, yeah, but then it's like, yo, like, you're, you're worse than all of them too because you got the power and the knowledge and you just won't do it. And like, you're trying to play mediator and not, to dis- not be a huge disruptor. And I'm like, yeah, like you're, and that's why I sent you that thing. Part of the problem. Yeah, the pitfalls of liberalism. Cause I'm like, you are negotiating with the oppressor and the oppressed. Like we can't really get any change until people like you are out. And that's kind of what gave me my whole like burn it down mentality. Cause it's just like, I watched all these like white liberals rally behind John Lewis when he died. But then it's like, all right, well, as a staffer, I'm going to implement his ideas of good trouble. And you're telling me that, you know, I'm, fucking crazy or i don't know what i'm doing and it's just like yeah like at least re- at least sessions and them were like yeah david like you know i remember coming in after the charleston shooting and you know they looked at me straight in the face and they're like look we don't care david like we we told you we said it was wrong and like we don't believe our rhetoric is the reason why this guy did it he's just crazy so i'm like all right at least y'all you know and they're like look you can either stay with us or you can leave like i'm like all right at least mm-hmm. y'all told me transparency y'all transparency yeah. yep and then democrats are like we're diverse and all this and i'm like yeah i'm still like i'm not i'm still the only black staffer in a liberal office and mm-hmm. actually i take that back um strange's office there were two black people in sessions sessions had a whole lot of black folks that worked for him um some gay brothers too so i'm like well fuck like i gotta take everybody mm-hmm. down <laughs> Like the coalition is the older I get, the coalition uh, gets smaller, doesn't get bigger. And, you know, you get these pr- progressives in office like Omar to leave and ASC and then they just get suppressed and they can't really do anything besides like let it be known that they're trying to do something. But like legislatively, and there's like collective power. This house might change because I don't think McCarthy's going to want to work with Pelosi. So progressives say they don't want to do something. Then Pelosi has to figure out a way for it to pass. But it's like, yeah, it's like ASC, all these people, like they don't get on the, the most powerful committees. And like the way that them shit works, it's like, well, it only works on seniority and leadership. Well, that in itself is white supremacy because only old, we've only had like one of the, uh, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but like one of the things I wanted to do is change the Cannon building to the John Robert Lewis building. And Cleve was like, well, you know, let's look at precedents. It's all speakers of the house. And I'm like, exactly. Like the only speakers of the house have been white. So, like, we can't go, like, you know, that's like when people say, well, we have to go off the procedure and the precedent. Well, it's like the procedure and the precedent is white supremacy, motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying yeah. to, I'm not trying to operate on that shit. And, like, working for a very liberal Democrat and seeing how other white liberals, and even the CBC, because, like, I, like, I've gone in on the CBC, so I can stay here. Like, you know, I told them motherfuckers, I'm like, y'all are the problem, too, because y'all have 55 votes, which is, like, 25% of Congress. And the Freedom Caucus only had like 23 votes. And we saw what they did in 2013, what it's materialized until now. So, you know, you know, the Black Caucus, they really all of them, all 55 of them just said, hey, like, we're not doing the NDAA until we get reparations. Like, you can't, <laughs> you can't pass it. <laughs> you can't mm-hmm. pass anything. But it's like, you know, Pelosi's like, all right, well, you want to be chairman? Uh, sure, we'll vote for me. And then, all right, you want to be a chairwoman? Fine. Get on board. You're a black member, but in a predominantly white district, um, and you have trouble fundraising, like, here's these checks. And then, like, all these people, you know, like Cleve said, power, 
you know, power and all that stuff doesn't have, you know, race or, or any of that type of stuff. It's just the concept of power and people maneuver their ways to hold that power. And, and yeah, that's, that's just kind of like what I end up realizing. So you probably experience a lot of cognitive uh, dissonance, especially like growing up, seeing elements of that history and being able to work in these spaces, trying to make a change and still feeling like, okay, well, these people that I did learn about who are supposed to be on the other side of the line, these individuals are actually way more transparent and truthful. And I have an idea of where they're coming from. Meanwhile, the people I'm supposed to be aligned with are the ones who are essentially just performative. Yeah. And Malcolm X talked about it so well back in the day about, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing. And it's hard to, to, I knew how to operate in a Republican office because I, they're wolves. So I know I'm dealing with wolves. So it's easier to move when I have Luther Strange and Jess Sessions as my boss because I know what they are and people know what they are. So I, you know, Baptize and convert to the waves with us I tuned into what the future holds I can never be a slave, niggas They gon' have to pay me Navy Downloaded by the titles like Jay-Z That's a roll offshore like an AP Davy Jones like her own top of those hoppers Off the side of the ship Suicide didn't die from the dip Submarine man, keep your eyes on the blips Sonar, echo, location Know where we are facing Get back to our nation Hola So we walking back to Africa and I found a detour to the seashore Yes, jumped off the deck To leave footsteps on the depths of the seafloor yeah. trees like how could you be in the chorus with something so horrid you became boards for the floors and the doors of the warships anthropomorphic the forest returned with a match made from itself and said burn us with that then left again and came back with that axe we can serve you as furniture furnace us blackie yeah. Caroline and the Britney and the Comet. I 
Alabama and the Wanderer Henrietta Marie, the Molly, the Sloop, the Moloch and the Bull Merte And the River Volta, the Lord the LSE, the Eagle, the Asian Coca And the Colorado, Tartar Morgan, the Misa, the Pongas And the Mary Bull, and the Surf, Surf, Surf Winsbury and the Liverpool, the Marquis O'Grady The Inbus, the Ferrars, the Leons, the Navigator and the Phoenix Claytor, Mugu, Dragon, Greyway, Ruby Caroline Bark and the Taganini of Carrollton Penis Swallow, Green Dragon and the Charles, the Able A The Moon Tapping and the Slam Hannibal of London, Jeffrey, Little Feed, Mediterranean Really Annalee, the Solomon and the Tire Cough, the Mercy, the Envy, the Little Napoleon Rainbow the Catherine Bristol, the Cumbia, the Anne, the Adelaide Brooks, and the Law, 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 Law. My bones is for the beaches, right where the beaches, right, cause they preach just like so. I'm going back home, I took a leap last night, so I'm walking on water to my feet.